Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Hello, 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 everybody. How's it going? Welcome to the Are You Listening podcast. I am Scott, here with my good friend Brandon. Brandon, how are you today, brother? I'm great. I'm great now. Good. Yeah, it's, been, it's been a trying week, but I, I know it's been a rough week for you. But uh, I'm glad we're doing this. Uh, I'm super stoked to cover this record with you. Uh, as you know, it's kind of a big deal for me. Uh, one of those ones that if you don't like it, it might end our friendship. Well, I know that's not true, but <laughs> I, I... no, it's not true at all. So yeah, today we're talking about the Suicide Machines' destruction by definition. This is the band's first studio recording. Previous to this, they were known as Jack of Working and the Suicide Machines, which which is a great name. But I, I think they, they they made the right decision. I think that's just a little too much. It's a little it's too. It's a little too on the nose. Yeah, and it's a little too long. I think for what they're doing. Right. <laughs> well, if you look at so Suicide Machines are mostly a ska punk band. They get out of the ska so much. Definitely in records after this, there's hints and flavors of it on this record. There's a bunch of ska on here. Yeah, there's one part of this that is ska to a point that I didn't expect it, that I loved it. And I'm not usually a ska guy, but we'll, we'll get into that. Fantastic. But yeah, this is uh, this was kind of I don't want to say like their last foray into ska. Um, the record after this called Battle Hymns, they get really they get really hardcore sounding more than ska. Um, they get more political and the songs get faster, if you can believe that. I love that record, too. I probably won't bring it to you just because I have a list of 40 other records to bring to you at this point. Yes, of course. Of course. <laughs> that record, Battle Hymns, was the first of my music that I picked up brand new on release day CD form. Uh, so that one holds a, a special place in my heart as well. If it means anything, while I was investigating like a certain track or two out of this mm -hmm. and like where I would have heard it, I there is a track and I believe it's from Battle Hymns that I'm very familiar with. Okay. And it is Give. Oh yes. Yep. That was uh one of their singles off that. It was in probably the movie I've watched more than any movie ever. Oh. And it is the classic inline skating movie, Disney Channel Original, Brink. Nice. I think it might be the opening 
title sequence track, actually. Okay. Interesting that it's on a Disney a Disney movie soundtrack. By the way, I still love Brink, too. It, it, it still might be my favorite movie. I don't think I've ever seen it. I was an inline skater, so that was kind you of You were? Like, I was. I was, I was like, too. I'd go to skate parks and shit. Yeah, I, I was an inline skater so much so that I had, like... On your on my class ring, I had inline skating <laughs> engraved That's on the wild. side. <laughs> That's wild. Maybe I would recommend Brink to you then if you were a, I, an inline skater. I'll write that down and I'll watch it. I'm curious. It is on Disney Plus. I promise you that. Perfect. Then I can watch it for free. That's even better. And it is stylized with an exclamation point. Like oh, it's B R I N K exclamation point. Perfect. All right. Well, let's get into the Suicide Machines. They're a punk band who formed in March 1991. In Detroit, Michigan, really kind of outside Detroit, we claim Detroit claims like the entire southeastern area of Michigan. There's been numerous lineup changes throughout Suicide Machines career, uh, including the band name change from Jack of Orkin and the Suicide Machines. The one consistent member has been Jason Navarro, the vocalist who also plays in the bands Hellmouth and Break Anchor. Hellmouth being a more uh, like metal sounding band i think i've heard the name hellmouth okay even if i've never listened to them i think i've heard it they're but good is he, is, is he the only like remaining member from suicide machines yeah like yes. the only original member well yes that's interesting because i i guess i don't know if i mentioned this but vincent from occasion is the only remaining original member he's the oh. only one in the band i find it really strange that that happens a lot yeah more often than we think um where the singer is the only original member left. It just has to be that their sound is so tied to the band. Whereas like right. guitarists can sound similar and things like that. Yeah, that's that's the funny thing, right? So like bands that lose their guitarist, drummer, bassist, saxophonist, whatever, they keep the vocalist will keep the same name running for the band, right? Mm -hmm. But then if a band loses its vocalist and only its vocalist people go up in arms about changing the band's name, right? Or keeping the band's name. Yeah. Is it tied to maybe that whole front man idea? Like the front man it, is the band? Because you, you got to think the front men in the 60s and 70s, they were the band. Like you right. look at Mick Jagger, he is Rolling Stones, although you could arguably say that Keith Richards is Rolling Stones. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's just, it's one of those things. Yeah, it's just so wild that there's that, because me personally, when Alice in Chains came back out with their new vocalist, I was super angry because Alice in Chains was always my favorite grunge genre band. And when Lane Staley died, I lost my mind. Then when I heard that they were coming back with some freaking dude off the streets, like I was enraged. Okay, Suicide Machines. Uh, Back at it. <laughs> the, the band blends style elements of punk, ska, and hardcore, generally known as ska punk. The band achieve a high level of underground recognition through touring relentlessly, showing up on multiple Warp Tours, Riot Fest, and putting on their annual Black Christmas shows in their hometown. I have gone to so many Black Christmas shows. It's fantastic. That's awesome. Dude, it's, it's like the one thing you could count on every year. They put on the annual... Black Christmas show uh, in St. Andrew's Hall is is one of the big ones. Either there or the State Theater, which is now the Fillmore, but we always call it the State. Anyway, they're always great. There's always this really great crowd that comes out for it. The band plays forever. So it's only them that plays? or No, they have a whole lineup. There's like five bands that play that night. And do they usually bring in larger acts or are they the, usually the largest? They're bands? the larger act. 
But around here, they are the largest act. Yeah, that that checks out. That's fair. Like, I can't think of another punk band from Detroit that would draw as big a crowd as Suicide Machines. Suicide Machines is to Detroit as Anti-Flag is to Pittsburgh. I'd say so. Yeah. As Jack of Oregon and the Suicide Machines, the band recorded two demos. Uh, one in, one titled The Essential Kevorkian and one called Green World. Um, after some lineup changes, they took the Jack Kevorkian and out of the band name and recorded a split with The Rudiments. And then they signed to Hollywood Records in 1995, Rudiments, another ska punk band. So on May 21st, 1996, the band released their debut album, Destruction by Definition. This record we're talking about right now, it's 16 tracks uh, with an added cover at the end uh, on certain releases it runs 37 minutes and 16 seconds long that cover being a cover of i don't want to hear it by minor threat which is what i was listening to yeah the album was recorded between november and december of 1995 in hollywood california at AM studios it was produced by julian raymond who his list of bands he's worked with is pretty wild he has done records with fleetwood mac glenn campbell cheap trick hank williams jr and icp the insane clown posse also from detroit right unfortunately i think there's a definite time period where every boy of a certain age went through an ICP phase, like at least listened to ICP because they were, they were huge yeah. and it was different and it was, it was the counterculture and it was, man, I, like I said, I don't listen to ICP now, yeah. but that's, I think that first album, I haven't listened to it in many years, but I can, I will still say, I think it's good. Also worked on this record is Phil Caffell who worked with, he has, he has a, an odd list as well. He worked with Cottonmouth Kings, Corporate Avenger, Taxi with Two X's, The Look, and Sam Kinison, the comedian. Cottonmouth Kings is right in there with the ICP. Like they're, yes, they're, they are. There's, there's a definite connection there. But it sounds to me like these producers are just studio guys. Like they, yeah. just, they have a studio. They work on whatever's brought to them. It's just funny to think that studios can be like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think also in 96, there was less of a like producers were there to just get the stuff recorded mm-hmm. as opposed to now where producers have identities and producers have their own sounds and producers bring a lot more to the table. Right. Like Zeus. Cause it was just a job. Like yeah. you weren't, you weren't part of the album. You just were helping the album. Right. But now you're a key, like an, another artistic ear and voice. If you're great. Because yeah. if you're if you're not great, you could take away from that album. A bad producer can ruin a good album easily. 100%. At the time of recording, the band consisted of Jason Navarro on vocals, Dan Lukchinski, I'm sorry I ruined that, I'm sure, on guitar and backing vocals, uh, Royce Nunley on bass and backing vocals, Vinnie Noble on trombone, Larry Kumis on tenor saxophone, and Derek Grant on drums, Hammond Record, Clavinet, Piano, and backing vocals. Now here comes my drum fact for this episode. I'm ready. Derek Grant went on to play for other bands, including Telegraph, Thoughts of Ionesco, Walls of Jericho, filled in on guitar for Face to Face and the Gaslight Anthem, and has been the drummer for Alkaline Trio since 2003's Good Morning. Wow, that's a that's a that's that's a hell of a career. When he made that move. From Suicide Machines to Alkaline Trio, I was both 
super excited and overly devastated. Number one song for May 21, 1996, The Crossroads by Bone Thugs and Harmony. Ooh, that's a, that's a, uh, normally the number one songs we get are huge pop songs. Yes. But they're, they're just okay. Like they're just right. like, okay, I, I understand why it's number one. Crossroads was a, was a wild sweep of that number one. Like yeah. that's a, and that song's great. I love that track. Great. I don't know if I've ever listened to a full Bone Thugs album. I don't think I have either. If you didn't have 50 albums to give me, I would say <laughs> let's do, let's do an album. Neither of us know, but we'll get there at some point. We'll get there sometime. But yeah, other records released in May 1996, Butthole Surfers, Electric Larryland, Pantera's The Great Southern Trendkill. I like that one. That's that one. That's where a lot of people say they fell off, but I like that one. Yeah, that was kind of where I fell off. Again, though, I I don't I don't know if we've talked about it on here, but there's only like three Pantera albums I like, and they're not the ones that most people like. Like I like Great Southern Trend Kill. Mm-hmm. I really like Far Beyond Driven. Well, yeah, that's a classic and then what's the one in between there vulgar display of power nope that's not one i like no vulgar display of power far beyond driven reinventing the steel was after great southern trend kill and cowboys from hell was before uh far beyond driven or vulgar display and that's that's all so maybe i only like two i guess just great southern trend kill and far beyond driven yeah that's it have you gone back and listened to vulgar display of power it's hard to listen to vulgar display of power without the connotation of it being like bro rock now like it's it's oh, okay. super like like it's been taken by the, the group of people that i don't really like associated with i think it's probably only because those are the two grace on the trend kill and far beyond driven are the two i owned on cd that's probably the only reason that those are the two that stuck with me but i like them both i mean this isn't a pantera episode but i think <laughs> i think great southern trend kill if you go into it not expecting vulgar display of power and yeah. you go into it expecting a Almost a, a more southern fried, gritty version of what they are. Mm-hmm. I want to say a more hardcore, but I don't mean like heavier. I mean like the genre. It's, yeah. it's more hardcore than metal. Yeah. Also coming out in May 96, The Cure's Wild Mood Swings, George Michael's Older, The Wallflowers Bringing Down the Horse, Two Shorts Getting It. And Cannibal Corpse's Vile. I've listened to one of those albums. If you want to take vile? a guess. Vile? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's vile. I- I've always wanted to get into The Cure. I just never have. Yet. I will eventually. Have you listened to a Cure record? Is never. I've never listened to any. I don't know if I've. I probably Cure have a hit, right? They have to have a they hit. They have tons. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Friday, I'm in love. Boys Don't Cry. Oh, those probably. are just two off the top of my head. Probably. I've probably heard a hit. I don't, I don't even know. I think there's certain things that I've been listening to leaning into the cure. Like I'm getting there. Like right. I've been listening to Echo and the Bunnymen and modern, modern English. Yeah. They're definitely that eighties new wavy, new wavy. Aren't they more like art, art, new wavy though? Like it's much, more I think, art. I think so. I've actually okay. seen the cure live Okay, and it was an amazing show. And from what I hear, I would expect that. But I've I've never listened to a Cure, and I I don't know. I I feels I'm I'm intimidated because they have a bunch of albums. They have a bunch, and to be intimidated is probably normal because they have such a strong following that if you don't like it, people freak out. But they do have they do have a bunch of different sounding records too. And I think that is why I've been intimidated because I don't want to listen to one that has such a different vibe. And I'm like, God, I don't like the Cure. Right. This one might not be the Cure. I will bring you one that's like one of their biggest ones. 
I think that's why when I listen to discographies, I just like when I listen to new bands, I want to listen to everything they put out. Like sure. how I, I listened to all of Morbid Angel because yeah. I knew that there were some albums that people didn't fuck with. Sure. And I just I was like, well, let me listen to everything so that I can compare these ones that people think are bad. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a cool way to do that. But I think the, the Cure has a grip. and I don't think I've been yeah, you're ready gonna to be... dive into that. Like I said, I'll bring you. I'll bring you one that is kind of quintessential, the cure sounding and probably one of their, it it might be pornography that I bring you, but yeah, it's definitely, it's the cure sounding like the cure. Okay. Let me give you a couple reviews and I'm only giving you a couple because I only found two. I'm reaching back to 96 in a genre that wasn't highly publicized and a band that just put out their debut record. Mm -hmm. So uh, I got, Alex Henderson from allmusic.com says the suicide machines recall punk's glory years, but sometimes adding touches of ska and reggae destruction by definition is a CD characterized by its infectious and reckless sense of fun. More than anything destruction by definition is a sneering loud and proud delight that those who fancy punk's more fun side shouldn't overlook no rating. Just that was the review. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. Although um, I went and looked at some lyrics, and yeah. a lot of these lyrics aren't super fun. That's what I was just going to say. If you look at it surface level, like if you take the record surface level, it is fun. If you delve into the lyrics and the subject matter of the songs, they're not overly fun. <laughs> I, I, I think that's where I'm at, though. Like I, I realized off this album that this kind of punk, which I consider my punk, like this is this is what I consider punk. Like when the he second said, wave kind of. This is kind of almost third wave. Sure. Okay. Like this is what I consider punk. This mm-hmm. is, this is because when that review said the glo- looks back to the glory years of punk in my head, this is what I was thinking of. Right. I was thinking of like, this is the glory. This years is the glory years. Right. They are to me. Cause I, I mean, I don't, we've talked about it. A sex pistols clash, whatever Ramones yeah. respect them, but mm, okay. Uh, but in my head, like it's more of the sonic feel and experience than it is the, content like i guarantee you there's some of these punk records from back then that i'll listen to now and if i dive into those lyrics i'll be like whoa this is this is way different than what i thought this song was right it was the same for this like when i was listening to this i had a completely different idea of what this album was and then i looked at the lyrics and i was like but i guess that is punk like it, it, it is it's serving up subculture in a subculture right my next review is from ken (laughs) on punknews.org. Yep, just Ken. Destruction by Definition was the album that put the Suicide Machines on many people's lists of favorite bands. It's their first full length, and in my opinion, one of the finest punk records ever released. Four stars. He loved it. Ken's a big fan. Ken sure Ken's not in the band. We sure Ken's not part of the band. (laughs) Ken has not been in the band, as far as I know. (laughs) Listening to it, it... If this is third wave punk, it's early third wave. I'll give it that. Like, this this is when things were getting ushered into being this sound. So sure. they, I think they are early with that sound. Yeah. This album probably influenced a lot of bands that I listened to. This album probably influenced a lot of bands that I didn't listen to. Right. The sound that they have sounds like it's been around for 15 years already. That's how well they pull it off. Yeah. Well, they formed in 91. This record didn't come out till five years later. So they had five years. So they had of... five years to build this record. Now I found this record at a harmony house uh, just looking at the local bands section on the wall, and the 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 band name got you. Is it the band name? The band and the cover art, yeah. like dude stage diving over people. Yeah. 
black and white with the red suicide machines on it. It's a, it's a solid cover. It's a solid hundred percent. A, a lot of this album is, and I'm going to use classic. When I say classic, it means third wave punk. Like that's, right. what I'm, that's what, it's classic punk to me. This is what I'm considering right. my punk. Um, it's just everything about it is very classically third wave punk. Like that cover is just, it's what you expect. A lot of these sounds are what you expect. It's, it's, it's definitely moving in that direction of this wave of punk, but it's also early in it. So right. it's, you know. it was just wild seeing this cover on the wall with Bob Seger and Iggy pop. <laughs> okay. You mentioned them. I've never gotten into Iggy pop or the Stooges. I, I have, but in a deep dive to see where my punk came from. Yeah. Like I've done, I've dabbled here and there, but like here, here's another instance. You know how I always say I go too far in one direction. Mm. I, somehow, when I went to go investigate Iggy Pop, is probably when I learned about Gigi Allen. Whoa, yeah, yeah, that's a. I mean, that's that's not far off. You're not far yeah. off, but Gigi Allen is the extreme of that side of it, right? Yeah, and just guess where I went? Like, yeah. I was like, oh, why would I? Why would I listen to Iggy Pop when this dude's over here eating his own shit? Yeah. Dude, I had a Gigi Allen minute. It's wild. It's so crazy. Yeah. But it seems even more wild now knowing that he was like 30 doing that shit. Right. Like when I when I was a kid, I was like, oh, this dude's fucking wild thinking that he was like 21, maybe. Yeah. But when you find out he no, he is a full grown adult doing that. It is real weird. Yeah. Yeah, he was a crazy guy. He was nuts. He probably, I mean, he probably had so many mental problems and addictions, but never got treated. That's what yeah. happened, I imagine. Yeah, because the music also isn't good. No, There's, it's not. It's terrible. It's, it's not good at all. But it's, it was his uh, his like aura and his vibe that got people into him, which yeah. is kind of scary. It's very Charles Manson-like. I still like his iconography. Like, if I see Manson's face, it's still something about it to me. The first time I ever saw Acacia Strain, Vincent had a shirt. It was black. and had a giant white Charles Manson, Manson face on it. on it. Yep. I own a Charles Manson record. Like, I have a vinyl. I have air really? on vinyl. Yeah. Do you want to do a track rundown of the record now? Well, actually, real quick, before we do the track rundown, oh, sure. I, I do have one other track that I knew from Suicide Machines, from another movie that was very important to me. Oh, interesting. Which is, it, it's also very interesting because this movie was also stylized with an exclamation point. <laughs> so I don't know if there's a connection there that I only like music, movies with exclamation points. But, and I think it may be a cover. Uh, I Never Promised You a Rose Garden. It is a cover. Was in SLC Punk. Yes, it was. And I love that flick. That is That is one of my favorite movies of all time. That movie was huge for me also. Actually, the first time I ever stayed the night at Tara's house, we watched SLC Punk. That movie, I I own three different ways. Yeah, SLC Punk is a huge movie for me. Huge. And it's it's one of those that you see very differently when you age. Like you, yes. Every time you watch it at different points in your life, you see different things in it. You interpret it differently, and it's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a great, great movie. We could probably do a mini sode on SLC Punk. We definitely could. <laughs> I, have, I have a ton of stuff to talk about on that movie, uh, but yeah, that that song. Um, I never promised you a rose garden is a cover. They also put it out on their third record, which was their most radio friendly poppy record. And then I saw that they also had a, a song in American Werewolf in Paris. I never delved into where Suicide Machines songs featured in films before. That's about it. Okay. I, I pretty much, I pretty <laughs> much walked you through it. Gotcha. Ex- except for this first track, New Girl. 
It is, oh, yeah. it is somewhere. It is somewhere that I am that that gave me so much nostalgia hearing it because I didn't recognize the title. I didn't I didn't know that this was going to be what it was, but I, I knew this track. I was singing along immediately. I know where this track came from. This track came from Tony, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One. One hundred percent. Yep. And it was it was very nostalgic. The amount of time I put into that game and this this track just playing. It, all of those songs, every soundtrack, they there was some bootleg company that pressed the Tony Hawk one and two soundtracks on vinyl like a couple oh. years ago. And I tried to get them, but I missed the drop and then they're so oh, hard to find. And then I would say I'd be so oh, interested in that. I'm, st- I'm still on the lookout all the time because they're th- those soundtracks are so, so well put together. I love those games so much. And they encapsulate the time period perfectly. Yeah. Like if you listen to that, you feel like you're playing the game again when it came out they're just they're just so good yeah so good. super good but that, that's what i have about new girl is that i knew the song it was very nostalgic from tony hawk one yeah yep second track sos mm-hmm. very classic third wave punk song like the, to me this could have been on any of the epitaph compilations this could have been on any of the punk compilations at the time uh a lot of elements of skater punk in here by mm-hmm. it being heavier at times, yeah. But it's still very grounded in the ska. Oh, for sure. The SOS was one of the singles, if you want to call it okay. that, that came off this record. Uh, Break the glass, third track. Mm-hmm. This is a hugging pit loving. Like this is a track <laughs> that if you're at the show, everybody's arms are around each other in the pit, and you're all singing along to this track. And it's it, it, it's a it's a very it's a much happier groove sonically. Yeah. But I went in and looked at the lyrics. It's it's not really super happy. No. I don't know if a lot of these are. I can verify the pit hugging on that one. That's one that they they still play during shows. Okay. Uh, Break the glasses. And yeah, everybody is shouting out every single word to that track every time yeah. they play it. And and you can you can feel it like yeah. it's not even a two stepper it's an everybody is touching like everybody is oh, on yeah. each other leaning back and forth it's it's a it's it's a great vibe for that yeah no face is the next track mm-hmm. much much mellower vibe there's some cleaner guitars a little bit lighter drums less intense vocals it feels like an interlude track almost but okay. it's not it's not relaxing you like that that's not <laughs> happening on this right but there is a bit of an interlude in it. No Face is actually one of the other singles, the other single to come off this record. And it actually reached number 31 on Billboard's um, modern rock charts. That's huge for an opening album. Also, it's wild to me now knowing that New Girl wasn't a single. Like, that New Girl... Now I want to know who was in charge of, like, the music over... Like, the supervising the music... The Tony Hawk game? Yeah, because yeah. like they were just like, yeah, this one will fit. It's like it definitely does. It I imagine definitely does. I imagine the guys, if there's plural, that were in charge of picking the the songs for the soundtrack, were also involved in the skating, like the professional skating scene. Because if you go back and look at old skating videos where the skaters put out their own videos and they sold them at the skate shops. Um, oh, yeah. that I actually picked up. We had a skate shop by us that I bought my first skateboard from. It was fantastic. Trader. Well, that's where I started. And then I traded to inline skating. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe some guys that were involved in the music for the videos or even at the competitions, they would play music while the skaters were skating. I'm, I imagine some of those dudes were in charge of the soundtracks for those games just to give it because it gives it that more authentic feel like it gives you that feel from being in a skate shop grabbing your board going out to the park 
watching dudes just rip it on a, on a street uh, street course or something. And I think that's why those games can maintain and still feel so authentic is because they brought so many people of the time in to work on them. Right. Uh, next track is Hey. And this is one of the situations where I said that I'm not usually a ska guy. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm fine with it. Like I've listened to, you know, Real Big Fish, Bucko Nine. Oh, sure. You know, Streetlight Manifesto. I've listened to some of the big ones. I love those dudes. <laughs> the beginning the beginning of this is so hard. Like it's hard as hell with yes. these horns. Yeah. It is great. So hard that it reminded me of like crossover. I don't know if you're familiar with the crossover genre. It was like kind of the precursor to new metal almost. Okay. I know that's kind of like sacrilegious to talk about sometimes. But <laughs> right. I'm I'm here. To, I'll defend new metal to the death. By the way, but uh, like Dog Eat Dog, like that that they, they were a big crossover band. Sure, Th- that beginning was so hard that it reminded me of like a crossover Dog Eat Dog track. Mm. But then it transitions into that you know more classic you know ska punk sound. That song has so many switch ups in the yeah. like two minutes of mm-hmm. length. It it's it's amazing. That beginning alone drug me in so heavy i was like i don't care what's going on with this track the rest of it could be shit but this beginning is so hard yeah I'm into it. our time simple but fun it's quick it maybe almost slips unnoticed like it melts into the the the, the album a little too much it just kind of you okay. know bl- blows by i get it too much next track it does just enough different to not also slip under like okay. there's, there's just enough but um, the tide of the album is definitely recognizable. Like you can see the tide trying to engulf this track, right. <laughs> but it's, it, it does just enough to stay afloat for me. I was wondering if the consistent feeling to each song would throw you at all. If I didn't already listen to this music before, it probably would. Okay. A lot of my experience though, with this type of music, like the ska punk stuff is on compilations. So right. it, it it's a lot easier for me to, like lock into this genre and then move on. Sure. So like there, there was a bit where I did have to like focus more because there, there were moments where I'd be listening and then I would just realize like, Oh, hold on. I'm not listening anymore because like, it's just happening and some of it breezes by. And there's a few tracks on here that that that's basically all I have to say for them is they breeze by. They're sure. fine. But I, there's, I don't have anything against any of these tracks. You know, okay. I don't really, I wasn't really expecting anything, I guess. Like I okay. wasn't expecting to, for my, mind to be changed on what i know about punk i was sure. i i kind of knew especially after new girl like after new girl i was like oh i know what i'm gonna get now like i'm good i'm, I'm, I'm gonna enjoy this that's as soon as i heard new girl, i was like i'm gonna enjoy the hell out of this album. okay <laughs> next track is islands and i love this track i love islands yeah that's a it's, great it's, extre- song. it's extremely simple but I'm I'm never looking for complexity on a mid 90s punk track right that's not what no. I'm, I'm not here for it's just yeah. it's I'm not like, oh, they they could have put another riff in there. No, it's it's, it's a fucking fun ass track. Like, yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of it. the real you, back to back love track. Like I love this track just like I love Islands. This one really reminded me of a well at times, especially there's that moment where they're the back and forth vocals where they're screaming back mm-hmm. and forth. Yeah, on the recording, it sounded almost like a female voice, and it really reminded me of the Pennywise track "We're Desperate." with Exene from okay. X. Yeah. Have, have you heard that track? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've realized that I need to get more into X because I've always been aware of X. Okay. And I've loved any time Exene, because there was that time after she left X where she was just popping up on other tracks. Yeah. Like, it was weird. Like she was like a rapper, like just popping up a feature right. on tracks. Every time she's featured, I love her. And I, her voice is so different for the time. Mm-hmm. That that's what I was thinking about with this this track and I, I, that's probably why i love it because i love that pennywise track with her i own an x record 
I could bring it to you. Is it Los Angeles? Yes, it is. However, when we get into the band, it might change your opinion on the band a little bit. Yeah, there's some bad stuff, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Is it her specifically or is it the band? I can't remember if it's her if it's her specifically, but there there is some not great stuff. So I don't know that I, I don't know that I want to bring it to you because I want you to just yeah. enjoy their music. I've dabbled. I've never listened to a full X record. Maybe I've just dabbled. keep dabbling and I won't bring it to you. Because if I bring it to you, I deep dive and give you facts. Yeah, all the information. And that would be one of the facts I would have to give you. It was probably Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins is real big on X. And he, he's talked, he talks about X. Like, every time I've read a Henry Rollins book, he's always like, X is it. He's like, yeah. they're the big one. They, so that's that's probably what got me into them. They are a big, a big pinpoint in the punk scene back then. They were huge. Yeah, everybody. Like, they're your band, your favorite band's favorite band from back then. And that, that's why Henry Rollins talks about them all the time. Like, yeah. if, if, like if Henry Rollins is talking about a band, it's probably X or The Damned. Like, right. that's yep. the two. Yep. <laughs> uh, next track, Face Value. Here's another one that breezes by. It's good enough. Mm-hmm. It fits on the album. Uh, nothing special to me, though. Okay. You know, again, um, I wasn't really expecting special. Like, I think there's, I think some of these tracks blew me away because I wasn't expecting special. Sure. But that, that doesn't mean they're any less good. Like they're still good tracks. Right. Punk out another breeze. The, the I'm sorry's are really cool. I really like the I'm sorry's. I could see that being a good time at a show. Right. I think that's also what I think of when I listen to some of this music is I'm always envisioning what it's like live because a lot of this music, especially 96, it's not, this album isn't put out to sell units. This album's put out because this is the music they're playing right. at the shows. And that's even encapsulated in the artwork, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's because it, it's just the live feel. There was a huge, a huge thing for me was the vibe that this record had. Just met everything in that artwork. Like it just it feels like this is music that you just rock out to at a show. And the productions isn't clean enough to be like that's not what they sound like. Right. The production is very. I feel like it's very authentic to who they would be live. Mm-hmm. I could see it maybe being a little more aggressive live. Like I'm like it's not played as. And by the way, this album's pretty aggressive. Like, I'm not yeah. saying this album's not aggressive, but right. I think maybe it would be one of those situations where some of the fast parts are faster. Yep. And then some of the the louder parts are louder. 100%. Like I just feel like they, they would just give more aggression to it. There's a lot of crowd participation at a Suicide Machine show. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. Next is the Van Song. Yeah. This, this track really changes up the vibe super quickly from the last few. And I feel like it was definitely needed because mm-hmm. like the last couple, it just, they were breezing by, but it, you know, just, I needed this little change of vibe. And then this track perfectly encapsulates the specific time period, the specific feeling that was happening. It's all about skating. It's all about putting your vans on like yeah. th- this, th- this should be the anthem of skate punk. So like, it really should be. So there's a van store that opened up in the mall by me and I went and got shoes there because of this track. I ended up working there uh, because my when I ended up working there, my girlfriend was had worked there as well. And this track, of course. And while I worked at this van store, you asked me before if I knew the dudes from this band. I met all of the dudes from this band working at, at the, the van store. store. That's crazy. I've also met Jason at least five or six more times just at shows. Like I'll, he'll be standing there in the crowd, and I'll be like, "That's Jason Navarro. I'm gonna go say hi." <laughs> now I imagine that they this wasn't like a sponsored track, right? This was no. just a them writing about what they wanted to write about. Yeah. When you were wearing, what was your first pair of Vans you bought? They were the checkerboard slip-ons, right? They were not. Actually, no. really wild. My first pair of Vans were actually a girl's pair of shoes. 
Okay. They're called Carabeths, were the title, were like were the name of the shoes. And they had a a sun logo on the back of them. They were all black, but this orange sun on the back. Was it like the Sublime Sun? Yeah. I've I've seen them. I don't even know where I've seen them. Yeah. I've seen them. I think Vans were they were definitely a staple like mm-hmm. when I was getting into this, but I think there were so many other shoes out at the time because skate shoes were blowing up. Yeah. Everybody had skate shoes. I had Etnies, I had ESs, sure. I had all the wild shit. Yeah. Um and I make it sound like I had all these shoes. I probably had <laughs> I probably got a new pair of shoes like every three years. Okay. And I I walk very heavy. Yeah. This is actually a point of contention in <laughs> my current life because I can't throw away shoes. Oh like, yeah. I can't because I went so many years by wearing shoes with holes in them mm-hmm. and like dealing with that that in my head I'm gonna be back there at some point. Right. And if I have this stockpile of shoes, I'll be You're fine. You're good. Yeah. So there's just like mountains of shoes and it's a it is a point of contention. Let's just what, say that. When I worked at Vans, they gave you a free pair of shoes every six months. Oh, that's sick. It that was sick. amazing. Cause we'd get so technically we were an outlet store. Okay. So we would get shipments of shoes that were just a million different styles. And if you were unpack unboxing the shoes, I don't want to say it like a video, but like they come in a big, they come in a big box. Um, but if you were the one that took the shipment and you were unboxing the shoes, you'd find your size, grab it, see what the shoes looked like. And if you dug them, you didn't put them out on the sales floor. You hid them away in the back stock room until your six, six months were up. And then you grab them up and you're like, oh, uh, you go to the manager and you're like, these are my six month shoes. And they're like, oh, I That's never awesome. even saw these out on the floor. When did these come in? You mentioned shoes and Vans Warped Tour. So I might yes. as well just throw this this, sure. this story out there. Every year, uh, after, I, after I got used to like what the Vans Warped Tour was and how dead I would be because I'm pitting all day. Yeah. Um, and there was, there was one year where I got a shirt like screen printed that said King of the Pit because oh, I was... Uh, yeah. Oh, I did. And guess who, guess who left with his crown? Like I left with the <laughs> oh, crown man. and I had, I had people challenging me. It was, it, it was good for the most part, but there were definitely some pits that were like, Oh no, this is bad. Yeah. But it was during the time of the, I know you remember these, the giant marshmallow looking Osiris high tops. Oh yes. Yeah. The multicolor. I was wearing them. I was wearing oh, the shit out of them. I loved them at the time. I, I've always been a high top guy. I don't okay. know why. Like I don't. I don't hate my ankles, but I don't know. <laughs> but I've always been a high top guy, and I wore. It was. They were like silver. They were all silver. Like they oh, weren't. Wow. The, they weren't the bright shiny like oranges and pinks, but they were very bright, just all silver all over. I love these shoes. Yeah. But at that point, I already knew like what I was going to expect. So I would always take sandals and leave them in the car for when I would be done. I could just take my shoes off, put sandals on because my feet are going to be dead from getting stomped on. Oh yeah. Two stepping all day. Um, and I left those shoes in the parking lot of Warped Door. Nope. I took them off, oh, put my sandals on and got home. And I was like, where are my shoes? Oh, nope. Never picked them up. Nope. Never picked them up off the ground. And that was Damn. the biggest bummer. But it probably also was good because I guess who didn't buy another pair of Osiris? <laughs> I had to buy a more adult pair of shoes right. after that, I guess, yeah. because those were, man, look at, if I see a kid wearing those now, I think they look so cool, but I just know that they are not. Like, I know that they're, it's kind of like, it's like Kid Rock. Like, it, I know it's not good. I know it's not good, but there's a part of me that kind of still wants to enjoy it. Right. Warp Tour was 
Emily and I's first date. That's a wild first date. That was the first. Okay. The first thing I ever bought her was tickets to Warp Tour. Warp Tour is not just like you go and you see these bands. Like you have to go and then you have to see what time bands are playing yep. and you have to see what stages they're on and you yeah. have to like map out your day. So like she was the driving factor in who you saw that day then? No. No. You were like, no, listen, we're, we're going to see all these. No, it wasn't that. She Okay. So when I met her. What year was it? 2000. 2000. Yeah. So Emily, when I met her, had short hair, tied it up in a bandana every day. It was blonde, like like kind of bleached blonde, and she worked at Vans. So my brain was, I thought she was this skate punk chick that like <laughs> I've been looking for my entire life. Turns out the only punk she listened to was from the tapes played on Vans overhead, like the store. And her friend, Sarah, that got her into some punk bands. So when we got to Warp <laughs> Tour, she was like, I don't really know any of these bands. <laughs> so we ended up seeing who was ever on at that time on whatever stage that I liked or that we both didn't know when we got into. And ended up, we went with my friends, Clark and Chris, and it was, a, it was a pretty great day. I remember it being pretty awesome. Who do you remember seeing most? Like, who who's the the, the band that was the big one that day. Actually, the first band we saw. It was it was just an, a side stage band that we saw. First one we saw was the Deviates. And they oh. put on an amazing show. Did they have Come With Me yet? Because that track is so good. I, they had only put out their first record. But right after we saw them, we went to their merch table. It was right after they got off stage. And they were there. So I bought the CD and had them sign it. That's awesome. And I still, ha- like, I still have that signed CD. That's awesome. Yeah, I just looked at the track list of the Warp Tour live CD, and this is a wild. There's a like that's a big year for Warp Tour. It was huge. I mean, Anti Flag, Bad Religion, Flog of Molly, Blink One Eight Two, H Two O, MXPX, Pennywise, mm-hmm. No FX, Seven Seconds, Mighty Mighty Boston's, Less Than Jake, like Dropkick Murphys, all the big ones. Yeah, like, we, that, that, that that's what Warp Tour was. We met Dickie Barrett too from the Boston's, the singer from the Boston's. That's crazy. I've never I've never met a dude that I thought was so huge in life, be so short. <laughs> it was amazing. Also, two that popped up on here, which didn't, did not expect it, Papa Roach. Yeah. And Lit. Yes. Lit I, I was think Lit there. was at the show that, I think he would, I think they were on the date we were there. I'd have to go back and check because I'm curious about who was in the Detroit in 2000. But I remember there being a bunch of bands that I was super into that Emily knew like one or two songs from while she was working. All right. Where were we at? Van song. Van song. Yep. Um, all right. Insecurities. Yeah. The bass rips on this track. The, the, the bass on this one. And it's, it's for a lot of these songs. A lot, a lot of ska punk and skate punk is driven by the bass a lot. But sure. On this one, it's very out in the open. This The bass is just ripping on this track. Yeah. And it's another it's another breezer. Like the bass rips and it breezes by. Inside Outside. I like this track. This is the only one that I felt like it was lacking a little bit. I okay. felt like I could have. I felt like there was another verse in it. Like I felt like there. Even if they just repeated the verse, I felt like there was another one. They could have just like, gone for it. Yeah, I don't think the complete vibe of this track hit me in the amount of time they gave me. Like, okay. I felt like there could have been, could have been another one. Totally understandable. Zero. I, I can't think of anything but zero skateboards. I could see <laughs> this track being in a zero skateboard video like you were talking about, right. a skate video. Yeah. And then So Long. 
uh, now that you've informed me that so long actually is indeed the closer, yeah. my five or six line rant here about oh, no. it, about it not being the closer can <laughs> okay. kind of can, can kind of be ignored. Yes, it's, it's it me is. just basically saying, you know, how do you not make this the closer? It's in the title. It's in the track. Yeah, they added an intro to this one that I feel like there wasn't an intro on a lot of the other ones, other than that one with this this heavy ska intro. Yeah. And, and I feel like the addition of this intro made it a real viber. I actually kind of wish there were more tracks like this on the on the record. Okay. Because it was it was a definite switch up. I don't know if it was less intense. I don't know if it was a little more groovy, but I felt like a little a couple more of these sprinkled within would have made this album just that much better. Sure. But I, I don't have anything negative to say about most of the album anyway. Yeah. And then what I thought was the closer, which <laughs> you've informed me, is a bonus track cover. I don't want to hear it. I just said, I guess you had to close it on a more ska realm. Uh, they didn't want to go out. They didn't want to go out on the so long vibe. They wanted to be in the ska realm, but it's also hard to break down a song that's a minute and six seconds yeah. long. Uh, but it, it's it it sounds fun to play. Yeah, that's, the original the original CD, the one that I bought off the wall, ended with so long. Well, okay, so now that uh, we've gone through track by track, bookend test. Yeah, uh, new new girl yeah. to I think new girl to I don't want to hear it is almost seamless. Mm-hmm. Because like it's their their ska sound kind of sounds similar. Like when you get into that ska groove, it's you know it's hard to change that sound sure. very drastically. Yeah. So that, that's almost seamless. Um, it, that's actually more seamless than some of the back to back tracks on this. Like, you, <laughs> like you, you, you'll hear some of these other tracks switch, and you're like, "That's a completely different track." But that one, I'm, I'm gonna be honest, that final track could have just been added to the end of New Girl. That's how much it sounded right. like it. Gotcha. But if we are going to so long. No, it's great. It's 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 a great bookend test because New Girl opens up, and it, it's clearly to to me it was clearly the opening of the album, right? And it gave me so much nostalgia. And then, you know how much I love a very definitive final track. Sure, yeah. And when the final track is called so long, and when it's about being done and saying goodbye, yeah. that's perfect for me. It's a perfect closer. Yeah. I don't know if there's a way that I would have switched up the track list within it a little bit to kind of prevent some of those breezers from breezing by. Sure. I don't know how I don't know how I would have done it, but I might have dabbled with that a little bit. Yeah, but I get that. No. Book and test. Loved it. New Girl to So Long. You know, it has a definitive ending and I love that. Can't be mad at. I was mad when it wasn't the ending. Sure. But I'm not mad knowing that it is the ending. Yeah, no that uh that minor threat cover was an add-on. It wasn't on my original CD purchase that I got. Now I'll ask you, throne on a crone. Uh, I'm obviously not going to grow in this thing at, at all. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's a world where I could grow in this. If if this was just New Girl 17 times, I would have been able to grow <laughs> it. I like this album a lot. I think if the parameters uh, are third wave ska punk, mm-hmm. this I would have to put that on the throne because I think that it it, it sounds so much like. It sounds so much like, I don't know, like Goldfinger's fifth album. Like like when they've been doing it for so long already that they know their sound, they know right. what they're doing. And uh, But I mean, I guess you said they were together for four or five years before this came out. So yeah. they had their sound down. Yeah, it, it's an own, um, much like you and Wormwood. I think there's a price on it. Like, I don't know, you sure. know what I'm going to go out of my way to pay for it. But yeah, it's an own. I think it makes it more of an own knowing how much it means to you. Mm-hmm. And I, even just seeing that cover, I think will make me you know, more excited to listen to it just because I know your history with the cover and the album itself. And it'll, it, you know, just, it, it's a, it's a good vibe record, even though, like we said, the lyrics may not be good vibe record right. material. Well, it does that, that trick that I like so much where you put non happy themes and lyrics to super happy music. 
I love that. But it's also not over overburdening. Like it's not right. there. Like neither of them are. Like no. it's not overly happy where you're ignoring it, and it's not overly sad where you can't hear the happy. Right. So I'm with you. I like that. Yeah. A lot of a lot of times I feel like that's a little leading. Like sometimes it buries you. Sure. Where where you only attached to one or the other whereas mm-hmm. this one i could i could see it going either way and I, I appreciate that and i don't know if it was a conscious decision but i like it either way so it's a known fantastic uh, do you have a top three yes my top three are new girl obviously because yeah. it gave me so much nostalgia and then islands in the real you okay i may put islands number one because that that tra- i love that track <laughs> my top three uh i actually picked four because the van song just means a lot to me Although it's not my favorite on on this record. Um, But Vans would be my number four, Van Song. Uh, Number three would be Face Values. One of your uh, just kind of breeze tracks. Breezer. The the lyrics kind of get to me. Uh, I think I think my top three, the lyrics are more important than the music, except for my number one. I, I didn't really go through this with a fine tooth comb with lyrics. Like I just checked them once in a while when I thought I heard something. Um, cause I, I could pick up a bunch of it, yeah. but it's also sung in a way, like, even if it's a depressing or a sad or an angry lyric, it's sung in a way where it's not presented as such, which sure. I think is easier for me to, it's more palatable maybe. Yeah. So face values, uh, insecurities is my number two. And then Hey is my number one. These lyrically are songs where I could now, now that I look at it, I could give them to Lucas to help him realize that him being who he is and who he wants to be is the right thing to do. Like, don't try to be somebody else. That's like all punk music though. Right. But these ones, because I latched onto him when I was, I don't want to say his age, but it's really, really close. This was a very formative record for me, not only because it was helping me continue with my, my journey into punk and being, um, my own person, according to my music, these songs, songs like these helped me to be like, helped me self-realize who I was. I could be who I wanted to be and who I wanted to be was a punk. Like I wanted to be in this scene and to just kind of give that, that fuck you attitude to people that, you know, that don't matter that. Yeah. Like you you don't in high school, you don't realize that people in high school don't matter. Unless they're your real friends. And if they're real friends, they will follow you for the rest of your life. If they're not, they don't matter. Like that drama is not worth what you give to it. Punk music like this, like Pennywise, like Bad Religion, Rancid, all the bands that I got into in the, you know, mid nineties, they made me who I, they helped me be who I wanted to be and made me who I am now. And that's why this record is such a formative record for me. And it's wild because I think we could do the analogy again that Suicide Machines is to you what Anti-Flag was to me. 100%. And if, if you want to go even more particular, Suicide Machines, this album to you, is what Die for the Government was oh, yeah. for me. What a great record. I mean, I'm... I'm I'm happy to share this album with you now. I'm glad I experienced it. I'm glad you liked it. Like, it really wouldn't have ruined our friendship, but I'm super glad that you like it. <laughs> that was definitely in the back of my head. <laughs> uh, do you have a record for the week? Um, I don't have a record for the week, but I have something I could put in place of it. Okay. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'll delete this, but I've been quarantined. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, no matter how much you try and no matter how safe you are, this virus does not um, 
discriminate or know that. Yeah. And uh, I just felt like I wasn't afforded the same respect I gave other people. But, yep. you know, I just got to not be mad about that. But I I had um, tested positive for the old COVID-19. So I've been quarantined in a bedroom, um, even away from Tara, which is the hardest. That's got to be the worst. This. That's got to be the worst. So it, I didn't really listen to much. I, I had to force myself to listen to this record, yeah. which I did. And actually, I told you it was my... Um, when I was going to get tested and everything, it was the soundtrack to me getting tested. <laughs> yeah, not a not a great memory. No, but it helped. You know, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't listening to Cannibal Corpse, which right. may have put me in a different mindset. <laughs> right. But I didn't, I haven't listened to anything, but I've been watching a lot of shit. Okay. And there, there is a reality competition show mm. on Netflix called Rhythm and Flow. Okay. And it is about uh, rappers. Oh. It is, it is hosted by T.I., Chance the Rapper. And Cardi B. Oh, interesting. They are the three judges. The first, like, three episodes are auditions in different cities. Like, okay. the first one's in, in L.A., and they invite Snoop Dogg on as a guest judge. Oh, awesome. That's, oh, man, that's, that show sounds awesome. It, it is great. I mean, there are moments where you're like, okay, it's still a show, because there's there's some people who are super talented, but then they they're, the whole round is battle rapping. Oh, but okay. they're not they're not battle rappers. Oh, so okay. like so like you can tell that oh my god this sucks so bad because they are so good. But they're not into the battle rap. The competition is the whole package. Oh man! But it, I watched the whole thing and I had actually the winner of that. I bought his vinyl yesterday. Oh nice! I saw his vinyl popped up when I was on a website looking for vinyl. I was like, I'm gonna get that. Oh and fantastic! I really I because they they do full songs like they bring oh, wow. in like producers they bring in r&b people to work with like it's it's because it's it's great it's really good i really enjoyed it i teared up at the end oh wow like <laughs> i mean i'm, I'm also in a, a in a, yeah. a fragile emotional state right but, um yeah the the netflix show rhythm and flow rhythm is and my flow. record of the week all right yeah i'm gonna have to check that out because that sounds super interesting so what is your record of the week my record of the week i really really tried and really wanted it to be Adele's 30 but god that was such a disappointing record but it's a very personal record it, it is and I get that and I respect that but there's yeah. certain choices that she made on this record that I can't get down with my biggest gripe with it and this this is what I said is I, I fully support and respect what she did I'm sure there are people who connect to this album the way I did to 25 yeah and other albums of hers my thing is, this album is so much about her divorce. Yeah. Which is, what, the past year or so? I, I don't know when it happened. Yeah. Where are the songs she was working on on the other five years? Yeah. Like, that's just what I'm curious about. Right. Because, I mean, it's been six years since she's put out a record. There's no way this was, you know, she's been working on these divorce songs for six <laughs> years. Or maybe but, she was. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, I know I'm with you. It's it's fine. Yeah. I, I, I I like some of the tracks, but some of the tracks I don't. I just and can't. It's the, it's, yeah. it's the first time I've ever actively disliked an Adele track. Right. So in lieu of Adele being my record of the week, I actually came across a Chicago rapper, um, Mick Jenkins. Uh, he has a record out called Elephant in the Room, and it is phenomenal. I only listened to it. I got to it on Tuesday either Tuesday or Wednesday. And it was an instant go to Bandcamp and download the record when I heard it. I haven't done much research on him at all. I did enough to see that there's no vinyl available. Uh, <laughs> I found out he's from Chicago. I forget who 
talked about the record. It had to be like a YouTube video I came across. His beat choices, um, the musicality to the the tracks, uh, just phenomenal. Very there's some jazzy feelings to it, which I love. But then there's also like the gritty Chicago hip hop style to it, and it's just great. He's got some great features on it of people that I don't know. Um, but yeah, really loved Elephant in the Room by Mick Jenkins. And then I guess we got to wrap this thing up by me giving you what we're listening to next week. Oh, yeah. I don't really know what to give you. Uh, I'm still on quarantine for like <laughs> another five days or so. Sure. So I'm going to I'm gonna give you something that I already know a, a, a lot about. Okay. It's going to be the album that precedes Wormwood, and it is Continent. Okay. It is Acacia Strain's Continent. Um, album artwork does not include the bird, but I think you'll uh, <laughs> I, I think you'll see it and get enough out of it that you'll enjoy that artwork. Okay, but it is the precursor to Wormwood. You're definitely going to hear a lot of stylistic differences. Sure, you're definitely going to hear some of the same. Uh, again, lyrics you'll you'll need them more than you did on Wormwood. Okay, <laughs> I imagine, and there will be some lyrics that are not great mm-hmm. already i could tell you that there are this is a there is some very misogynistic oh okay lyrics on this i just wanted to make sure you know that so you don't hear it and it takes you out of it immediately like sure. there are some on here yeah but again i go into okay strain usually with um he's getting it out it's a good thing like right. he's not he's not doing these things <laughs> right so we're good so next week's will be um acacia strain's continent Tell your wife I'm sorry ahead of time. <laughs> uh, follow us on Twitter yep. at AYL Pod. Check out our Facebook group, Are You Listening Podcast? Yep. I think you just you just, go, you just search in the in the old. I Facebook think you just search that. it in the Facebook uh, the groups section, possibly. If there's anywhere that you listen that has the capability to you know like comment, you know, do any of that. If you don't want to use the socials, um, just feedback's always fun. We like feedback. Yep. Uh, you can email us at. Are you listening? Dot podcast at gmail.com. If you don't want to yes, use the can. socials, we'll we'll check those out. But yeah, check us out on on our Spotify and Google Podcasts and Anchor FM. Uh, we're all over those. Thank you for listening. We're very thankful for you guys. I'm very thankful for you, brother. I'm thankful for you as well. And I will be more thankful for this world once my quarantine is over. 100%. Are you listening? Are you listening? I wanted to punch babies.